Welcome back to Talking Yanks Sharp Stats episode. We have the queen of stats here with us, Katie Sharp. Jake's here. I'm here. We are coming to you live from the Roosevelt Studios in the Bronx. We got back on the Sharp Stats grind last week. We talked about Paxton. We talked about Wader. We talked about the schedule and the playoffs. We got more topics today. We are excited to be chatting with you guys. Katie, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, probably pretty much like every other Yankee fan in this, uh, this great world. Um, things are really good and I'm just excited to, uh, get to see them play. I mean, obviously we're, we're taping this on Tuesday. So we got a little bit of a lull here, um, when, as the hurricane passes through, uh, New York city or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to these, uh, little seven inning double headers too. I think that's going to be a little bit of an interesting, uh, little twist on the season. Yeah, I uh, I totally forgot we were planning out our day for yesterday a little bit, and and Big Baby David mentioned seven innings, and I was like, oh, totally forgot about that. And that's uh, Saturday should be pretty exciting. I mean, for Garrett Cole, that's he's one of the few guys in baseball that that <laughs> could be an easy complete game. So, fingers crossed for that. And just a little heads up to Yankees fans: enjoy the lull a little bit, because then I think we're doing six games in four days. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Who yeah. who's who's pitching in the doubleheader? Today, as people listen to this, uh, I, I think it's uh, Montgomery was announced, or no, Hap was announced. Maybe it's got to be Hap. We haven't seen think, him in a while. Yeah, Hap I don't think they announced it yet. Let's see, Yankees right, well, probable pitchers. I'll I'll get there for a little bit. I'm excited for Cole it's to pitch not, in one of these seven game doubleheaders, and I'm excited for them to bullpen one of these doubleheaders. Yeah, I mean, it looks like I'm. I'm looking at just on ESPN.com. They've got uh, Montgomery in the first game and then an undecided in the second game. So this is, you know, obviously Tuesday afternoon we're taping this. So when people are listening to this, I'm sure they will know who's on the bump. But uh, I think it should be Cole's turn on Wednesday, no? On Saturday. Cause Saturday. Cole pitched, Cole pitched Monday. Oh, yeah. Saturday, yeah. Cole just pitched. All right, whatever. Well, it's not a main topic today. But we do want to just come back to it a little bit, and it is starting pitching. We did a lot of talk about Paxton and his velo issues and the arm slot issues. He came out in the next game. He looked just as bad to the eye. Katie, quick recap. Does the eye test match the numbers? Was his velo just as bad? Was his arm slot just as bad? Do we still have the same exact worries about James Paxton? One word, yes. Okay. There's um, there's but, your update. <laughs> that, no, that that that's not good enough though. But um, it's actually it might be even worse, uh, because his velocity, his average velocity on his forcing fastball was actually down from uh what we talked about last week. If you remember last week on the show, we said that um he had a 92.4 um, mile per hour average on his fastball with a max of 93.8. Um, and you compare that to last year when it was a 95.4 average and 100 max. Well, <laughs> Sunday, um, it was 91.5 miles per hour. So about another tick down. And he hit only 92.9. So he didn't even hit 93, I mean, according to StatCast. Um, and <laughs> one of those wow stats that I know, uh, Jimmy, that you love, um, last year, Ninety-seven percent of the pitches that he threw were ninety-three miles per hour or uh, or higher, and of course on Sunday he did not reach that. Ninety-seven percent. Um, yeah, ninety-seven percent. It's like you know, 
Yanks so, got to Yanks got to skip him a start if that's if this is the case. And I mean the the worry thing for the thing that worries me is that Boone keeps saying it's not physical, that he feels like he's healthy. Um, the other notable thing is that his release point did go up a bit from last from last week. Mm. Not quite where it was last year. Um, it's sort of in the middle of what he had in his first start and what he was at last year. Um, but that's, I mean, so maybe he is trying to tweak his mechanics. But I also looked at, you know, all his other pitches. They're all way down about the same amount. His cutter is down about three ticks. His changeup is down about five ticks. His curve is even down a couple ticks. Um, so there's definitely something going on. And I also looked at what he did last year by month. So, if you know, maybe he is a slow starter or something like that. A lot of people are asking me that. No. Basically, every single month was around in the 95s. Um, like a 95.3, 95.5, 95 95.1, something like that. They basically all varied within, you know, two-tenths of a percent. So this is not normal for him. And frankly, it's not normal for any pitcher that should be healthy and uh, and in tune. Sucks. I mean, I don't think there's another word for it. It's you, you hope he's getting better. You hope there is a buildup. But especially in today's modern-day baseball, I mean, where – where fastballs are at I mean if you're throwing 91 up there That's me um, For a guy that normally has an, like an elite level fastball When it's right 98-99 I think he topped out at 100 last year So scary times Yeah, He had 100 last year? I, I think wasn't 100 yeah, his top what it, Yep that was his max And it's especially true I think for Paxton Because he doesn't have the elite spin The spin efficiency um, Of a guy like a Garrett Cole Or a Justin Verlander they also throw pretty hard, but they also have that elite spin um, where they can throw it high in the zone and get those whiffs. What Paxton does is he really just throws it high in the zone and gets the whiffs without the, without the spin normally um, when his velocity is up. But now with, a, with basically a fastball that is average spin and average miles per hour, um, he, he is doomed pretty much. Mm. It's no surprise that Clark Schmidt is on the same schedule as he is. I think we'll see that get them get hot swapped out quickly. Enough doom and gloom and bad stuff. The main topic for today is a very fun, a very positive one. It's the big fella. It's Aaron Judge. He is absolutely dominating baseball right now, and I'm sure you have some fun tidbits and stats to uh, match with the eye test for him. What do we got on Judge. Uh, well, basically, this entire segment could be like my stat of the week. Okay. But, um, but anyways, I so first, what I'll do first is I just kind of want to go through some of the stats and then go through what I'm seeing with the numbers in terms of breaking down how, what his start means and how he's how he's basically become you know early, very early, but probably the best player in baseball right now um, this season. So uh, first of all, he had that binge when he went on a homer in five straight games which, as we know, was the longest streak by a Yankee since A-Rod did that in 2007. We remember uh, A-Rod won the MVP that year, so things are portending good already. Um, and uh, he has now six homers um, in nine games. And, you know, despite the Yankees not playing as many games, he still leads the majors, and this is as of Tuesday. Uh, he leads the majors in home runs, tied for the lead in RBIs, uh, leads in runs scored. No slugging, OPS leads. I mean, he's got black ink all over his baseball reference page right now. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. 
It's a really cool way to say really, it, Katie. It's a really cool <laughs> way to say it. Um, yeah, it's kind of like what Mike Trout looks like every day, but you know, <laughs> little Mike Trout here, uh, our big Mike Trout. Well, one other thing I want to just point out, and everybody uh, probably has noticed this, is just how clutch his home runs have been. Um, and you know, clutch is not a real thing, right? Uh, except when it's a 60-game sample and small samples, anything can happen, even clutch. So, um, so basically, this year, five of all the of the six home runs have given the Yankees a lead. Uh, pretty seems pretty good. And since last year, and I I tweeted this stat out a lot, so you guys may have heard it, but 20 of his 33 home runs, that's 61%, have given the Yankees a lead since the start of last year. And if you want to compare that to the rest of the major leagues, it's the average is about 31%. So basically twice the league average is what uh, Judge does in terms of being giving his team the lead with his home runs. Um, so we've already seen him have these like two incredibly dramatic home runs in the eighth inning and ninth inning, I think it was, um, already this year. So, I, I mean, I love it. I love what I'm seeing. Um, and the stats are just – just, just incredible, and it's really a testament to his health. I think you can see what he's been doing, and uh, he's healthy now, and this is what he looks like when he's healthy. Um, so, the first, uh, the first thing I want to point out, just kind of like breaking down his his start, is the pull power that he has. And one of the things last year, of course, um, that Yankees Twitter loved to uh, love to point out was that he didn't pull his first homer last year until August twentieth. So that was, I believe, sort of in like the 70th game or something that he had played um, because he obviously had been injured. Right. Um, so this year, uh, five of his six home runs have already been pulled. So last year he had six of his 27 home runs were pulled. Um, and if you look at the percentage of the batted balls that he's pulling last year, two-thirds of all the batted balls he's pulling – uh, of all his batted balls have been pulled this year uh, compared to last year. That rate was about 38%. And Katie, so there I, is definitely, I, I won't, I won't, I don't want to stop you from rolling on the stats cause I'm, I'm writing them down. Cause you said there's so many we can take from this. So I, I plan on uh, stealing <laughs> a lot of these, but, um, and this is kind of personal outside of the stats for a little bit. Do you guys feel like, is it, is it just health? Is it, is it approach a little bit? Because I, I know it did get blown up a little bit last year too much because he was hitting a lot of home runs the other way. But it does feel like in recent games, I mean, he hammered that double down the line. He's pulling it. At, it like, do you think it's health, it's approach, or when Aaron Judge is right, he, he just does whatever he wants? I'm going to say I think it's when he's right, he does whatever he wants because – if you look at his just his opposite field power for his entire career, I mean, going opposite field is not a bad thing for him because he is so strong. I mean, this guy is a monster. He has actually since 2017, which is you know obviously his debut, um, his first first regular season in the uh, in the majors. He has the highest opposite field slugging percentage of any player. Mm. So it wasn't just last year, you know, where last year I think he was just I think last year was the injury. It's the oblique. Um, and I, I remember I heard a segment on MLB Network with, uh, I think it was Mark DeRosa, who basically said that, you know, when you have like a hurt oblique, uh, you just, you can't create that torque that you need to get around on balls um, to pull the ball. So he was kind of just forced to just shoot it the other way and just push it 
towards right field, I think, last year. And he did pretty well um, with that because he is so strong. But when Judge is right, he's pulling the ball. He's hitting at the opposite field. He's hitting it to straight away. And I think he just he can't get too full happy. I mean, I think that that's always a concern for people um, that they just try and pull everything. But I think that Judge has the smarts to be able to kind of just to balance it enough. Um, I mean, ridiculous. Like this year, like his slugging pull side is 1.667. And that's about twice of what it was last year. Um, where his op- opposite field is about is a little bit lower than last year. So when he's right, he's just crushing everything, basically. Are all, of, obvious statement. <laughs> are all of his expected stats there? Like, no one can pull it just... I know the answer, but no one can say, like, he's just getting lucky or that's, you know, he's hitting into good luck. Like, because of how hard he hits it, yeah. there he's not... But he's also, he hasn't found any gloves. Hard to get lucky when you hit it 470. But, you know, like, Gary yeah. can rope balls and then you'd be like, well, he's it's just true. finding gloves. It seems like everything's landing. His, basically, the, um, he's, his expected stats pretty much match up. Um, he actually has, right now, he has the highest, uh, he's tied for the highest exit velocity in the majors, average exit velocity. And that's about 98.1, which is actually higher than what he had last year. His barrel rate, which I think we've guys, we've talked about this on the, um, on the podcast before, it's basically the best combination of exit velocity and launch angle. So his barrel rate, is up from last year. Um, basically, the only thing that is slightly down is his hard hit rate, which are balls <laughs> 95 and 95 miles per hour and up. Um, but I'm not really worried about that because, I mean, he's getting the most optimal balls. Like he's getting the right angle and the right vo- the right velocity, um, exit velocity. So when you, I don't really like to focus on just velocity, exit velocity, because. I mean, as we've seen, Stanton hits a million ground balls that go 120 miles, but they're in the into the ground and they're just they're gobbled up by by fielders. Um, so you really, I really encourage people to look not just at exit velocity, but also launch angle when you're uh, when you're evaluating someone like that. I'm blown away that it's down. It yeah. seems like he's hitting every ball hard. Yeah, um, it's it's really tough because um, when you look at just like percentage, I mean, maybe. Last year, he had a ton that were like in the 95, 96, you know, and that may have propped up some of his hard hit rate. Um, this year, I mean, maybe he's just he's hitting it hard, but he's also got a few that, you know, you just are skewing that. Um, so I'm not really concerned about his hard hit rate being a little bit down because of the fact that his barrel rate is up. The barrel plus the sweet spot is up, you know, all those types of things. Um, and it's only up. down for him. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's only down for him, and it's down like a, about less than two percentage points. Which I'm guessing is still way it's above the average really, player. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's way above the average. Yeah. I mean, the average is 35, and he's at 56. Mm. So. Almost double. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you prep this or if it's easy to find, but you know the the home run he hit against Boston comes on a 2-0 curveball, be it a terrible hanging curveball in the middle of the zone. Is Judge hitting every type of pitch right now? Is he hitting that's, off speed? That's kind of the thing that I wanted to get to next, actually. So perfect there, Jim. Um, so basically, one of the quotes that really stood out to me um, from Judge in some of his uh, Zoom interviews was, he said, right now it's just about not missing my pitch. 
when there's times they leave one over the plate, I've got to do some damage on it. And basically, that's kind of the story of his season right now. Um, and this has not really been true for Judge in the past. Um, so just kind of some some numbers to put this into perspective. So he is swinging at 74, about 75% of pitches that are in the zone this year, which is actually a really high number. Um, his career average is about 65%, and that's about what the major league average. So he's swinging at strikes, which is obviously always a good thing. Um, and he's also – StatCast has this uh, metric called meatballs, which are basically, you know, pitches like right down the middle. Um, and he is swinging at 92% of those this year. Um, and that's about, his career average is about 80% and 75% is about the major league average. So he is not hesitating when he sees a pitch in the zone, in his happy zone, he is not hesitating at all. And that is a, I mean, I think that's really a sign of a guy that's locked in. I mean, he knows what pitch he wants to hit and he is, uh, and he's making them pay. And I don't know, you know, people are going to probably adjust to uh, to what he's doing this year because he's actually only walked. His walk rate is way down um, from last year. About It's about 5% this year um, compared to about 14, 15%, which is his career average. Um, so I think that pitchers are going to start to adjust and you'll see him, you know, be taking a few more walks and getting less, you know, hitter-friendly pitches. Um, but right now he is just, you know, taking advantage of pitchers' mistakes and, and crushing them. And that's, I mean, people say, oh, well, he's only hitting the bad pitches and, you know, the pitchers that, you know, he's hitting bad pitchers and pitchers that don't belong in the league. But, I mean, you got to beat the guys you beat, right? And you got to hit the pitches that you can hit. So, I mean, I'm not worried at all about that. And guess guess what? Nobody hits the good pitches. Like that's that's baseball's kind of dirty secret. Nobody hits the ninety eight on the black dotted. Like so, I, that 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 shouldn't be a critique of Judge. And he's he's so locked in. And I, Katie, I loved the Giancarlo juxtaposition before. Not to not that any p- people need to be down on Giancarlo. He still looked great. But you're right. You see Giancarlo hit a lot of those bullet ground balls, and with shifts now, you know those don't get through as much as they used to. So I. I I wonder Stanton going forward. I wonder how the rest of his season looks. I mean, obviously expecting a lot, but in the future of his career, I mean, he's a guy who's tinkered with his stance a lot to get to the point where he's at now. Um, I I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting thing spinning through my head. If you were Giancarlo Stanton, and even if he continues at his torrid pace, you wonder if he goes to the drawing board and he says, hey, I got to stop hitting some of these bullets on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the things that, has always stood out to me about judge is that he more, more so than any other player, he really is conscious about his launch angle. Um, you know, he, you don't see him hit too many of those ground balls. You see a lot of ropes. You see a lot in that, you know, the 10, 10 degrees, 10 to 15 degrees. And then you also see these moonshots. Um, we saw that one, the, I think it was the first home run he hit this season when it was about 40 degree launch angle. Um, and for most people, that's, you know, maybe dies at the warning track. <laughs> but for a guy like Judge, that's, that's no doubt or going over the fence. Um, so I see, you know, and that's what I'm seeing this year with him. He's really just, he's squaring up on everything. And he, like you said, he doesn't think he's locked in. Um, he said, oh, you know, if I go five for five and I hit every ball over the fence, then I'm locked in. Um, but to me, 
he just seems really locked in this year. And, you know, I think 99% of that might be health. Yeah. That quote is such a Jeter quote. Yeah. I mean, Jeter used to say, uh, until you go five for five with no errors, you're not playing like your best or you're not locked in. And yeah. Judge said the same thing. He he said that. I don't know if you saw the video. He said that with a sheepish smile. Oh, yeah. Like, but when people just tweet it, it comes off so different than when you listen Him to it. Him smiling that was basically saying, like, welcome to New York. Like, yeah. this, is, this is how you handle the New York press. And, by the way, I feel like we've come across this a lot on Sharp Stats. And it's, it's something that's been really eye-opening for me entering the world of baseball. If you see outliers in guys' careers or them playing really, really badly, not just a regular series slump, it's because they're hurt. I mean, look at Gary Sanchez, the, the year his shoulder was clearly hurt. Um, you know, we've seen Judge and Luke Voigt when Voigt's stomach was hurt. Like, that wasn't Luke Voigt. Um, and even taking it out of Yankees culture, like we, Lorenzo Cain, who had a bad year last year, we found out. Like he's like, oh yeah, he he was hurt all last year. So it, that's oftentimes with these guys, you can spin it however you want. Uh, I'd say ninety ninety five percent of the time that since being thrust into this world, it's because of injuries, and he's he is healthy right now and a a bad man. Yep. Do you have anything else on Judge before we uh, naturally spin it to Gary, which Jake just kind of gave us? Mm. No, I think um I think that's it. I'm just I'm excited to see what he can do this year if he, if he stays healthy. Jim, before you go there, these these were my bullets. Uh, longest longest home run streak by Yankee A Rod, 07 MVP leads home runs run RBI slugging. Um, 61 percent of homers, uh, league averages 30 have given the team the league. Pulling highest oppo slugging percentage of every player. Highest exit. Vel- so, if you're either a troll on Twitter who likes to get into fights, or if you're looking for a nice tidbit to drop at the water cooler at work, I think those those are good ones. You got them. Katie's got you covered. All right, you mentioned Gary. We talking about Gary's defense. They brought in the new catching coach Tanner Swanson to help improve his frame rate, help improve his setup because he's a big dude back there. Tanner Swanson did it with Mitch Garver. Is it Mitch Garver? Yes. In yeah. uh, in Minnesota. We've seen a good sample of Gary now. He's caught three cold starts. He's caught a bunch. Obviously, the bat has not been there at all yet. That is not what we're talking about, though. How uh, does he rate out so far as a framer and defensively, Katie? He actually rates out um, very well, uh, especially compared to what he was last year. Um, and he is he's not I mean, he's not one of the elites, obviously, but he is now above average. And whereas last year he was far below average. Uh, so one thing I want to show you guys is StatCast actually has catcher framing metrics right now. Um, so if you go to StatCast.com uh, or whatever the URL is, you guys know it. Um, what they do is basically they break the the catcher, they break it down into eight zones that are sort of around the strike zone. So if you think about it, like it's called the shadow zone. So it's like a thick, thick border um, right around the uh, the strike zone. And that's what they hone in on. What they look at is the called strike percentage of all takes in those zones. So take, obviously, a non-swing. So what are the percentage of called strikes that Gary, or the pitcher, gets in those shadow zones right on the on the borders of the strike zone? Um, so just overall, his strike rate, that called strike rate, has increased from 47% to 52% this year. 
And just for comparison's sake, league average is about 49%. Um, so he's went from below to above league average pretty comfortably. And just another point of reference is, you know, we all know that Kyle Higashioka is a tremendous framer. And Higashioka is about 53% this year. Obviously a very small sample for him. But still notable that Gary is kind of almost on par with him in that regard. Um, and then I just really wanted to focus on what parts of the uh, the strike zone he was doing better in. And really it all has come at the bottom of the zone. So those low pitches. Um, and I think that that's really a test. That's probably a testament to his new stance where he's, he's getting that leg out and he's really stretching down there. Um, and I think that they really did focus on that on the low zone. Um, so he went from 36% of, uh, of converting those non-swing pitches in the lower part of the zone to called strikes to 51% this year. So that's a 15 percentage point increase uh, where league average is about 40%. So he's doing really well. And I think that that actually is probably the most important statistic because we do have so many pitchers on this, on this team that just like to throw those breaking balls, you know, that just drop out of the zone. Um, and those are the ones that he needs. He really needs to steal for strikes. So if he can keep that up, um, I think that that is really going to help out the um, uh, the pitching staff a lot. I think it's crazy that you say he's equal with Higgy right now because if you watch Higgy catch and frame pitches, he's so soft, <laughs> it's so natural, it's so fluid. And if you watch Gary, even with this new style, it looks so weird. It looks so robotic in a way or like how a 10-year-old would do it. But – that is what they're teaching him. Like every pitch, he's just grabbing it and like throwing it to the middle. It's not slight. It's not smooth. And people, you know, have been tweeting at me like, why is Gary framing like that? He looks so stupid. Well, it's working. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people still poo-poo framing in general because the ump should make his call. Umps are human beings. They will blink and then just look at the glove sometimes or whatever you have you. A lot of it's just hitting a spot. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Good job, Gary. Good job, Gary. And, yeah, there is one pitch that jumps out from Cole's last start. It was a slider that was in that shadow zone. It was 50-50 pitch, and it actually hit the middle of his glove, and then it just scooted to the end. And you could almost feel him and Garrett be like, ah, that one just scooted a little too much. If it stayed middle, I I think you would have got it. And it it is bizarre. Like, I I understand the Twitter people. When you see Gary throw it to the middle, it it looks – it looks like a, a little kid, like the first time you tell him that you could steal strikes from the umpire if you put it in the plate. But it is what they're teaching him, and I wonder if maybe there's a process behind it. Because I'm sure Gary knows that and sees that at tape. I wonder if it's almost be dramatic now and get a little less dramatic every time until you get the feel of it. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I, despite popular beliefs, am not in the catcher team meetings so uh, I don't know, but it, it's, it is good to hear that the numbers are there at least early on. Yeah, the numbers are, are definitely backing it up. I think another thing might be that he's just giving the umpire a better view also. Mm. Um, that's one of the things I think that with the new, the lower, the stance with, the, with the, um, the foot out and a little bit lower, I think, it's just giving the umpire a more clearer view, and I think the umpires like that. Um, and... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's 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 working, and I think, like you said, it, is, it does seem a little bit dramatic right now. But I think that is part of the plan, where he will just over time become more comfortable 
with that. I mean, the guy's been, what, he's been doing it for a week and a half, right, in yeah. real games. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, I- he's going to be really consciously focusing on it now, and hopefully at some point it will become just kind of second nature. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the whole thing is um, not giving the ump an established bottom of the zone. That's why he just, you know, you don't see it, and then he comes up the whole way with it so the ump doesn't so, you know, oh, you were aiming, you put your glove at the bottom of the zone, and then you had to move down to go get it. Eliminate that from the, uh, the process. So I'm glad it's working. Hopefully the bat starts coming around. His pitch blocking has been good this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So defensively an improvement. Hopefully it didn't take away too much of his efforts with the bat. Hopefully that comes around naturally. Yeah. We like have it. another guy on the team who's doing things with the bat and doing things with the glove. Speaking of naturally. Naturally. Special on both sides. Gio Rochelle is the talk of the Yankees right now, Katie. I think I think last year I don't think he got national respect because it was very easy to call it a fluke. I do think this year fans of other teams are saying, wait, who? How did you guys get him again? I had people asking me that yesterday. Gio Rochelle is going off. You have any fun stats for us on him? I do have some fun stats. Yes. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously we are, we are still pretty much, we're kind of still in the, in the small sample size um, because it, it was only, it looks like about 24, 25 batted balls that he has. You usually like to get up to around 30, 40 um, before you can start to make some, you know, hard conclusions, but the numbers are still really fun. Um, so all of his expected stats are way up. I mean, I'm talking like way up from last year. His expected slugging is up about 170 points. It's looking like it's at 689 for his expected slugging. His expected WOBA is at 560, which is about a 130-point improvement from last year. And very good. I mean, he's He's all he's all in the, like the top ten percent of the league right now, and um, he actually has a, a higher hard hit rate uh, than Judd. We mentioned that um, it's at fifty eight percent, which is pretty remarkable. Um, his sweet spot rate is up. His barrel rate is like doubled from last year. So right now he is pretty much kind of lo- I like I want to say it, but he is locked in. Um, and the other thing that really stood out to me is his discipline, his play, play discipline. And this is also something we can kind of talk about now, too, because it, that those stats start to uh, stabilize a little bit quicker um, than other ones. And his walk rate, he's at walk rate is at 14% right now, which if you know Gio Urshela for his career, that's pretty remarkable, where he's normally at about, like, between 5 and 6%. Um, the guy just loves to swing. And his chase rate, which is, you know, swinging at pitches outside of the zone, has been cut in half. So it was 40% last year, which is actually very high. Um, and now it's down to 21%. Um, and so I think that that's really, I think he's really just, he's locked in. I think he's seeing the ball a lot better this year. Um, and I don't know if it's just comfort being in the lineup um, for the second year here where he feels like he really does have a role. But um, this is like so far, I mean, obviously it's still, like I said, it's still a small sample, but it is no fluke. It's not like he's getting lucky or anything. Um, he is on a tear right now. What I find interesting, and you talk about the walk rate and all that, 
is that in his first five games, he really wasn't hitting the ball. He only had two hits in the five games, but he had four walks. He got on base in each and every one of those games. If he didn't get a hit, he took his walk. Then he started playing against Boston, and he gets two hits, and from there he's been on a tear hitting the ball, and the walks have gone down. So it's like maybe he realized he wasn't as locked in, takes some pitches, and now he's just hungry to hit. I mean, in his last four games, he's got seven hits, Three of them are home runs. One's a double. It's just uh, only one walk. He's just incredibly locked in. And even better is that even if he wasn't hitting, if he was hitting 250 right now with the 300 on base percentage, we'd still be saying run him out there at third every day because the things he's doing with his glove. Now, I know he's not Matt Chapman. I know he's not incredibly special. I know the defensive numbers poo-poo him, and I, I, I'll respect them a tiny, tiny bit. I don't care. He's an above-average infielder and an above-average third baseman. They don't need to be a superstar. They just need to be above-average. Changes innings. I would love to go back and look at the nine games the Yankees have played and see how many innings he has changed. I would guess it's two every game. I think he has two inning-changing plays every game. He started some triple plays. He's made some special plays. Even if it's just a stop that doesn't get through to the outfield, he's crazy. Um, I don't know if you have any defensive numbers on him, Katie. They don't love him. I don't know why. No, I mean, yeah, the, the, the defensive numbers don't love him, but they do rate him as you know about a, an average to above-average player. He's just not at that elite level at what you see. And I think – one of the one of the thing the knocks on him is that, and the reason why the defensive numbers don't absolutely love him is that he does make those extraordinary plays, those elite plays, the ones with the lowest probability of success. He actually has probably twice, I think it's twice the league rate average of a conversion rate on plays that are like you know below twenty percent or between twenty and forty percent um, probability. It's where he struggles is that he is not 100% on the routine plays. So he's maybe at like a 96 or a 97, whereas the elite guys will be at about 99, 100 for the routine plays. And they'll also make, you know, an above average uh, amount of the of the low probability plays. So but but absolutely. I mean, he is I mean, he's a game changer. And I think we all know I love my favorite stats and I'm, I want to bring, I just love it so much. I want to bring it back this year um, that we talked about last year with the double plays. Um, so, <laughs> so far this year, there have been three double plays uh, started by third baseman all by geo. Um, so that's three in nine games. Last year we had 24 um, the entire season. Actually only 18 of those were by geo because of, you know, um, uh, LeMahieu was at third for a little bit. Um, and then we go back to 2018, where we know um, we had Mr. Anduhar patrolling the uh, mm. hot corner. And there were nine in 2018 double plays started by third baseman. And actually only six of those were started by Anduhar. Um, if we remember the Brandon Drury experiment, yes. the first couple of games of the season, he had a couple. Um so that progression of nine to twenty-four last year, and then already at three this year, um, is just—I mean—that's just remarkable. Was Chase Headley doing anything 
in like 17, 16? Because that's, it, it's not just Andujar, which set our expectations low. Chase Headley to Starlin Castro wasn't exactly lighting up the double play from third yeah. base routine either. So you have DJ over there that can turn it. I mean, the infield defense is just – and I think, you know, that definitely goes to why Yankee fans and myself still every time I see the double play from third base, I, my eyes light up. I think it's been a long, long time since we – like, you know, since A-Rod Cano. Yeah, I mean, A-Rod, if you, if you want to put that into perspective, I looked at A-Rod uh, 2007. They had 34 that year. Okay. Um, I'm assuming most of those were by A-Rod. I don't that's pretty good. Whoever. But – um. So that's that's kind of what I would consider like the gold standard. Um, right now, the, the the three is kind of among the leaders, but obviously it's so early. Um, and if you prorate out three to 162 games, that does <laughs> that's in the 50s <laughs> for sure. Um, we're not saying that they're going to get that, you know, keep up the same rate. But um, but yeah, it's just it's it's really it's really refreshing um, to kind of see. And even though we don't have like a ground ball heavy staff it just helps so much yeah and that's uh, a a guy that knock on wood we hope we're talking about next week I, I hope is Monty because he's looked really good and I think we could de- get into that but yeah I mean we whenever we stumble into it we almost start laughing a little bit I mean when you add DJ LeMahieu at second when you have Gio Urshela doing what he can do at third base and you start thinking about the infield defense behind Monty, that can do a lot for him. Tanaka, that can do a lot for him. I mean, Garrett Cole liked it. He doesn't always need it as much as those guys. Um, And I think the bigger thing, just like the Gio Urshela story, you know, last year we kept waiting for the pumpkin or to turn into a pumpkin. Is that the phrase? Did I get it right? It's like the Um, horse carriage to turn into a pumpkin? Yeah, something like that. Um... It just never happened. He was great all year, all year. And then this year, it was like, okay, we expect him to be solid, but to what level? And now he's doing it again, and A-Rod calls him the best third baseman in the AL, and everyone runs with that. Um, But I I think, A, it's tying into the beauty of baseball. I mean, that guys can do this. We were on Talking Baseball. We talked about Tyler Chatwood. Uh, He's a pitcher for the Cubs who he's kind of revolutionized his pitch mix, and he's been looking dominant this year. Baseball, you can figure it out later. And the other thing that I think is important to know about that is, like, Gio Urshela is a talented dude. I mean, he was 23 years old playing with the Indians with, you know, Lindor and Jose Ramirez when they came up. He had a really good double-A, AA, triple-A in 2014. Now I'm really digging deep. Don't make me get into the Venezuelan League stats. I have those. But, you know, it, it never clicked. And then he comes over to the Yankees, and uh, who knows? I mean, we've seen this Yankees, whether it's a swing revolution or scouting department or confidence, but him, Voight, and Talkman, I mean, uh, unreal all around. But he looks really good, and yeah, I mean, I, I obviously can't do the defensive analytics people with Geo because just watch it. I, I did hear there's something, I think... I think going towards the line, he's as elite elite as it gets. He's Chapman, he's Arenado going line side. I think going shortstop side, they were telling me he's not good. And it's like, well, you know, I watched the Red Sox game Sunday night too, and he he, he was good. So um, I, I don't know. It's, it's just awesome. It, yeah, what I wanted to say was he hasn't made an error yet this season. So let's keep that going. And just, sure. all the easy plays, don't botch any of them. And then we'll get the metrics on your side, maybe. Problem solved. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, it's going to be tough because it is going to be only a 60-game sample. And 
when you think about it with fielding, I mean, you get even fewer samples sometimes than, than when you're hitting at the plate. So I'm not sure that whatever metrics, his final metrics are going to be this season are real, but I am interested to see at the end of the season um, if there are any differences, especially with the, the new stat cast uh, metrics, because they do have infield met, infield defensive metrics. I think it's for the first time they'll have a full season of those this year. Um, and they've made some enhancements to those over the off season. So I'm kind of curious to see where those where those rate him um, coming for, going forward. Yeah. Me as well. I have some breaking news for you, too, before we uh, end this program. They will not be going to a 26-man roster. They will go to a 28-man roster this coming week, whenever it's supposed to be, and they'll be staying at 28 the rest of the way. That may help out Ford. It may help out Wade if they want to keep a six-man bench, which eventually I think they'll want more pitchers. Um, I think Tyro's going to be sent back anyway, and then they could add more pitchers. Like when Schmidt gets added, maybe he's for Tyro. And stuff like that, but it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, Yankees have six games in four days. I think the Phillies currently have fifty-six and fifty-four yeah. days. I think they said that on the broadcast. So when you heart start hearing that, you need extra bodies. I've got two things before I let you go, Katie Sharp. Uh, one very pertinent to baseball. One is not at all. Um, a, I was looking at twenty fourteen top Cleveland Indian prospects, because of course I was getting into the Gio Urshela story. Number one, Lindor. Anyone want to guess number two? Ramirez? Bieber? Clevenger? What year are we in? 2014. Indians? Clint Frazier. Oh, Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier. Um, Number four, Trevor Bauer. Number five, Jose Ramirez. So, hey, the prospect game is a crazy. Um, Bauer? Bauer. They traded for 2014. Wasn't he a Diamondback? Let me see where he was. They have him there, unless they changed the article on me. Um, Okay, and then this is completely unrelated. May not even leave it in 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 talking Yanks, but maybe we will because the people love it. Katie, you're you know some naval stuff. Hey, oh. Wait, did you see my shirt? I did. Not college. I like that. You guys see that on the. You guys see that up there? (laughs) Not college. Not Not college. I like that. Guess what that that is for? Naval Academy, baby. Naval. The Naval Academy is is not college. Um, we did laughs from the past, our history podcast, and we stumbled into something very weird. And John Boy was pretty skeptical. Is something with naval the Navy working with sea lions to cuff underwater sea divers? Do you have any information on that? Slash, could you get us any information on that? No. <laughs> slash, yes. Okay. Okay. That's all <laughs> I need. I can I can ask my husband. Um, okay. So I, if he has any information, what what was it? Naval. Wait. Naval the na- sea divers. No. <laughs> they Who's send that? they send sea lions. Into the ocean to put handcuffs, basically, on bad guys who are in the water. Now, they were practicing this, practicing this in... Bahrain. Bahrain. That's why we thought of it. That's, that, that's where my husband is right now. Um, so, so... That's kind of ironic. I will... Th- this is recent? or <laughs> Yeah, they yes. say this is active, that they have seen... Jimmy, Jimmy, as you can tell, is very skeptical, and I get it. But they, apparently, they put a device on the sea lion, and then he bumps into the human... And it handcuffs their legs. So anything you... 
Bahrain. You said this. <laughs> yeah, we, we we YouTube like a, a a video of it, and it was in the Bahrain, U.S. base or whatever it's called. That, that's exactly where he is. Um, which is really interesting. He, he has not disclosed that to me. Um, <laughs> so far, he's been there about um, six months. So, um. Uh, I will ask him next time. Maybe he can get us a video. Maybe he yeah. can. Maybe he can get us a video for us yes. uh, for this show next week. And and then and then we'll send Jake to Bahrain. He'll be the practice criminal <laughs> with the sea lion cuffs. I want to be the sea lion. Okay, I'll be the criminal. Okay, we'll do it in the backyard. <laughs> All right, yeah, that sounds good. We'll do it in the Bronx. Well, thank All you right, so thank much. Thank you very Katie. much, Katie. Thank you guys for yep. listening. As always, as always, yes. Tweet at Katie. The best. The best. Yep. Glaber's good. Judge is good. Gary's framing's good. Paxton's still bad. Boom. That's your show. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.